hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Get real, let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is the McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Cases are on the rise of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 infection. I'm sorry to give you the bad news, but here we are in May of 2022, and we see the first inflections. It looks real. The cases are on the rise, both worldwide and certainly within the United States. So uh, it's happening yet again. Uh, We'll do a deep dive on who's getting the infection and why, Uh, but with 80% of Americans now having taken COVID-19 vaccination, 90% in other countries, including Canada, uh, there are very few unvaccinated left to blame for the pandemic. If the most recent rise that we're seeing is still within the Omicron subvariant family, almost certainly the victims of COVID-19 will in fact be those who are fully vaccinated. That means they've already taken uh, installation of the genetic code for the dangerous spike protein. And now the spike protein is already in their body. We know from autopsy studies that it's in the brain, the heart, the bone marrow. Uh, It's within the cells, the immune cells, the monocytes within the body. And then the patient actually gets the respiratory infection. So Uh, I was on the news uh, this week, and I wanted to give you just a snippet from Dan Bongino uh, on his show on Fox News. We're learning more about the dangers of spike proteins, folks, found in COVID vaccines that invade the bloodstream and could damage vital organs. I've been following this story for a long time. Here with an update on this is cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Doc, thanks a lot for your time. We've had you on before talking about these spike proteins and the vaccines, but recent findings are pretty significant here some impacts possibly on the brain, our, our circulatory system. Can you give us an update on this, what you're reading in the, in, in the recent data? Well, Dan, thanks for having me on. I'm actually out in Salt Lake at the Aware and Informed event. And I can tell you, spike proteins are going to be a big part of the presentation here. Uh, exposure both with the respiratory infection and the vaccines. First, let's take the respiratory infection. A paper by Rhodes and colleagues from LSU, 36 patients who die with COVID-19 in the hospital, spike protein damage in the brain was evident separately. Uh, The NIH autopsy series published by Chertow and colleagues, 44 patients also die in the hospital. Evidence of the intact virus replicating at a low level, even out to 230 days after the respiratory infection. You know, I have a new book out called Courage to Face COVID-19, and in that we emphasize the importance of early treatment. None of these patients who died received early treatment before the hospital. Yeah, Dr. Peter McCullough, thanks for the update. Thanks for your time. We're gonna stay on top of this story. Thanks a lot. You know, Dan Bongino is a really good guy, and he follows my Twitter feed. I know he personally has concerns regarding the vaccines. Uh, both Dan and myself, we're not against vaccines. Uh, we've taken vaccines through the course of our lives. I have not taken the COVID-19 vaccine since I had COVID early in 2020 before the vaccines came out. And the vaccines are only indicated for those who have not had COVID to prevent COVID. They do not have any FDA or regulatory claims 
on reducing the severity of illness. Uh, they don't have any regulatory claims uh, awarded for reducing hospitalizations and death. And there are no valid studies that have demonstrated that. We'd like to think that the vaccines make the uh, illness more mild, but in reality, uh, they don't. And uh, we don't wish anybody who's taken the vaccines uh, a bad course, but I do want people to understand that if they start to fall ill with COVID-19 and, uh, and get progressively more sick, despite being fully vaccinated, this recently happened in my family, a quadruply vaxxed, very close relative, uh, fell ill in Europe and progressively got sicker, uh, was put into a COVID hotel, but not given early treatment, and then progressed to the point of requiring hospitalization. Thank goodness he was so young and fit and strong. He did not go on the mechanical ventilator. Quadruple vaxxed and hospitalized ought to be a pretty strong indication that the vaccines are not stopping COVID-19, certainly not severe illness. How can someone with Omicron get severe illness? Well, the uh, determinants could be a large inoculum. Potentially, he got a large exposure of someone who was very sick with COVID-19 on a cruise boat or could be in a coffee shop or some crowded area. And a sick person actually makes the wrong decision to show up and continue with the trip. The other possibilities include uh, blood type. There are data uh, su suggesting that maybe A-type blood, which is what I have, that they have a worse prognosis than those with O-type blood because of this issue of hemagglutination and Rouleau formation in the microthrombotic process. When the O2 saturations begin to drop, it's due to microthrombosis. We do have data with the vaccines that, in fact, they're neurologic injury. That's been shown in autopsy studies, and there are clear neurologic syndromes which are described in the peer-reviewed literature with respect to the vaccines, and they include uh, they include intracranial hemorrhage and stroke related to hypertension as well as related to vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpurea. They include uh, both ocular and cortical blindness. They include hearing loss, tinnitus or ear ringing. And then a very scary neurologic syndromes, including Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is much more of an idiopathic immunologic syndrome. It's an ascending paralysis from the lower extremities on up to the chest and ultimately requiring mechanical ventilation. Transverse myelitis, that's actually a, a temporary paralysis syndrome that occurs almost as if the spinal cord has been cut. Peripheral neuropathies, as uh, an example. A change in the pattern of headaches. These are all within the range of the neurologic syndromes. And then those who have taken the vaccines uh, commonly report that sleep is disturbed and that, uh, in fact, they have brain fog or they have uh, periods of time of, of a loss of ability to think or converse. And uh, these can all be within the uh, penumbra, if you will, of the neurologic injury syndrome. That's the reason why Dan brought up the spike protein damage to the brain, because it's clearly shown in the autopsy studies, and it may be in a milder form, uh, subclinical form, in those who have taken the vaccines. But having said that, uh, there seems to be no limit to what we call mass formation, that is the human mind not thinking correctly. So the vaccines are only indicated to prevent COVID-19 in someone who hasn't had it, and, and hopefully it'd be a high-risk patient where the 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 infection could cause a meaningful syndrome that one would want to prevent 
with a vaccine. But let's pick up on another clip, and this one uh, is demonstrating this mass formation, the idea that the human mind isn't thinking correctly, uh, because we know vaccines uh, are not treatment. Let me give you the example. If someone had mumps, we wouldn't give them a vaccine after mumps. Uh, if someone had uh, a, 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 an infection of sorts and we gave them a vaccine and they had the infection, we wouldn't give them another vaccine and another infection. The vaccines are not serial treatment. But let's listen to this clip, but I'll let you figure out who the voices are. So you you would had your what your two you would had two you'd had two uh, vaccinations and then two booster shots is that right? That's right. And you know, for people over you know fifty or sixty, uh, they'll probably have to be boosted every six months until we get even better vaccines. So I've been trying to figure this out for myself. I assume you know the answer to this, so I'll just ask you. Um, when do you get boosted again? I mean, now that you've had it, you know, I've had it around the same time. I've only gotten three shots total, only been boosted once. I, I guess we have immunity for a little while, or, but when do you decide to get boosted again? Uh, yeah, so an infection where you'll get a high viral load would be like vaccination. Uh, but, you know, to be safe, every six months, uh, you're probably going to be vaccinated. As we get more data, they might even make that shorter for people who are, who are, you know, say 60 or over 70, where the duration seems to be a bit lower. Um, so we're in for ongoing vaccination to stay absolutely safe. So you you would have... So you can uh, tell, I'll just tell you who that was. That was uh, Anderson Cooper of CNN, and that was uh, Bill Gates of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, just as a, a point of commentary, Bill Gates is not a doctor. Uh, he has not had uh, training in immunology and virology, infectious diseases, internal medicine, uh, critical care, uh, medicinal therapeutics, data safety monitoring, regulatory science, um, has, has none of that. So, uh, you know, you can see people who are out of their range and uh, I have 17 years of training since high school before I launched my career formally as an internist and cardiologist. And I have decades of experience after that. Uh, over 660 peer-reviewed publications in the National Library of Medicine. Each one of them carefully vetted, vetted. Years of experience as editors, as an editor of two major journals and as a associate editor of many journals, reviewers. He has none of that, none of that. So, and he makes a series of completely wrong statements. So a severe infection is not the same as a booster, even a mild COVID-19 infection. Because it starts in the sinuses, it actually invokes the production of secretory IgA and natural killer cells and other immune cells in the sinuses as well as in the throat. And so the body from the natural infection is, provide, is provided protection at the level of the sinuses, the nose, and the throat that the vaccine can't provide. The vaccine, everyone understands, is a shot in the arm. It has nothing to do with the nose and the mouth and the throat. So he's completely incorrect on that. The natural infection is far superior to a shot in the arm because the natural infection involves the 
uh, nasopharynx and the upper respiratory tract. That's where the durable immunity comes. And it's not just through antibodies, it's through a cellular immunity. And then the production of a specific antibody called IgA, that's what actually prevents the second infection, of which there's no credible evidence with the vaccines that we get substantial forms of immunity in the nasopharynx. How do we know that? Because papers that have analyzed the viral load of people vaccinated and unvaccinated, whether it's one, two, or three shots, have shown similar viral loads in those who are presenting for testing, whether it be for asymptomatic testing, for uh, acute infection. And there, the papers are by Chow, by Acharian, Rhymerisma, uh, and Acorsi. They all show the same thing, similar, similar viral loads from unvaccinated to fully vaccinated. So Gates couldn't be more incorrect medically. And then you can see the conclusions that he and Anderson Cooper arise at. Uh, Gates has had four vaccinations. He's had four injections. He gets COVID-19. Anderson Cooper's had three and he gets COVID-19. It's over with. They've already had the illness now. They would not need nor could they benefit from a single additional shot. Every piece of evidence suggests they couldn't benefit from a single additional shot. But Gates, with his complete and total conflict of interest, the Gates Foundation as the second largest funder to the, to the uh, World Health Organization and a massive funder of the worldwide vaccine program, uh, the Center for uh, uh, Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation, CEPI, which was formed in 2017 by the Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum, is completely invested in mass vaccination as the only response to pandemics. You can see the connections there. His conclusion is ludicrous. His conclusion is absurd uh, and quite frankly dangerous to continue to load the body with the genetic code for the Wuhan spike protein. The spike protein, as I reviewed with Dan Bongino, is an injurious protein. It's lethal in high concentrations in the wrong place in the human body. This is now widely known. And disturbingly, the spike protein was manipulated intentionally through research done at a level four biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. So every person who has taken one of these genetic vaccines has actually done this. They've taken the genetic code, which is synthetic genetic code, into their bodies. And that genetic code is long lasting. It's been found to last in the lymph nodes at least for 60 days in a paper by, from Stanford by Rolkin and colleagues. And then that genetic code is producing the spike protein which we believe lasts in the body from the vaccines, both the S1 and the S2 segment, for probably over a year, as reported by Bruce Patterson, who's been on the McCullough Report. Uh, Bruce now heads up Incel DX. We couldn't imagine a worse situation, a worse situation. We have one paper, and there may be more on the way, but there's one paper out of Malmo, Sweden, First author is Marcus Alden, senior author is Yang D. Marinus, which has shown that the Pfizer vaccine, uh, when given in physiologic concentrations to a human hepatoma cell line, that there's reverse transcription 
of a sequence in the middle of the genetic code of the Pfizer vaccine, which is uh, known to be a reliable segment that w could not be otherwise picked up by signal using PCR within the nucleus of the cell, but a reliable sign that in fact there's reverse transcription of the Pfizer vaccine into the human genome. This couldn't be more disturbing because with each shot, given the long acting nature of the messenger RNA, there is a long period of time for the cells to actually have reverse transcription occur within them and then installation of the code for the Wuhan spike protein, now permanently both in somatic cells and then what we call germ cells or gametocytes, uh, both sperm and egg. Uh, these are incredibly disturbing developments. And to hear a major media um, journalist and then a philanthropist conclude themselves that they will continue to take these vaccinations despite having uh, uh, COVID-19 is, um, again, it's just, it's just, I think, representative of the times that we have in front of us. So I wanted to bring those, uh, the, you know, those developments to you as, uh, as forms of updates. Uh, clearly, uh, things are advancing. Uh, make sure you check us out on our other platforms on Pulse. Remember, on Wednesdays, I go on with Malcolm, and uh, we will go over your questions and curate your questions. Uh, we also have had some uh, featured segments with uh, true crime and best-selling author John Leake on our new book, uh, The uh, Courage to Face COVID-19, Avoiding Hospitalizations and Deaths While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. And we'll be on Viewpoint this weekend as this edition uh, rolls out. So uh, uh, keep a watch for this. This is very exciting. We have many uh, terrific contributors uh, to the platform, including original artists who are so gracious in uh, having their work actually presented on the platform. I did ask per permission uh, for this wonderful young woman uh, to have her song played on the McCullough Report. And because I met her in person at a, a live program that we had with the um, Save a Generation Tour in Florida, and this woman who came to our VIP dinner sang the national anthem with such a strong voice with such a, an emotion and such conviction. Her name is Giera, and I've selected this for you for this uh, issue of the McCullough Report. So I thought what would be really fun is I have a chance to catch Giera rehearsing for America the Beautiful, which is not only a patriotic song for Americans, but it also is, in a sense, it's, it's a prayer. So let's have a listen to her rehearsing. You get to hear her commentary, too. It's a lot of fun. Okay, full disclosure. Oh, there goes my phone. I am rehearsing a song that I don't think I've ever sung. I love this song, America the Beautiful. I'm going to sing it for an online event coming up, and I never film myself rehearsing, but, you know, I've been told that some people like to see the process. So, oh, yeah, got no makeup on at the moment and uh, lyrics in hand and just kind of playing around, trying to find the key and such. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Mm. Let's try that. Oh, beautiful. 
for he runs maybe a little faster mm -mm. never ain't strived more than sail I do not even know how that just happened ooh, ooh, ooh. Ah, that was cool I don't know ooh, that's what it was ooh, ooh, ooh. wow just realized it's nine o'clock and my window's open. Do my neighbors care? No, it's time for a little patriotism in the world. All right, um, yeah, well, I'm just gonna keep working this out. That was terrifying to film this and we'll see if it ever gets posted. Yo, may God bless America, for real. Thank you, that was Giera and uh, I wanted to give you a sense of the range of her voice. I reached back to her after she sang the national anthem and, and I had a chance to listen to this and I've asked her to do something unique and original for the McCullough Report and uh, let's see uh, what comes forward over, uh, you know, over the next few months. But she's a terrific talent, the range and the beauty of her voice is just absolutely astonishing. And you know, now really is a time for a reflection that uh, people are starting to get an understanding that things are changing in the world and changing in a rapid and, and relatively dark manner. Uh, now we're about four days away from the World Health Organization beginning the process of starting uh, 
the next phase, it looks like in this business plan of CEPI, to uh, organize a one-world government through healthcare, through the World Health Organization, having jurisdiction over uh, emergencies, pandemic response, medical response, flow of information, flow of money, uh, with um, with a full force of international law, having flows of money begin to flow from countries, 194 countries to the World Health Organization. And it looks like all the countries are in lockstep in making this happen. And almost uh, no one seems to have uh, any type of insight or methods by which to stop this. It, it just appears as if all the countries are leaping forward at the same time in perfect unison with one another for this one world government. So, so many things happening. WHO becoming uh, almost certainly more powerful. We have um, cases of COVID-19 on the rise. We have now uh, major media figures, major vaccine stakeholders witnessing firsthand that the vaccines are failing within their bodies, yet advising taking more vaccines. We've had countless numbers now of celebrities have vaccine injuries, but not having the mental framework or the wherewithal or the insight to realize that the vaccines cause the injuries. We have deaths and without family members recognizing that in fact the deaths have occurred as a result of the vaccines. So, you know, with that, I have to tell you, I think we clearly need to keep pushing forward. The McCullough Report has more and more of uh, subscribership, of people listening. Uh, send me your feedback. The questions will come in. Malcolm and I will take them on the midweek pulse. That's at 5 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday. So listen in to see if your questions were selected. Um, also keep me apprised of your music suggestions as well because uh, original artists now, uh, like Giera, uh, I like to have an interaction with the original artist before we move forward. And not everybody's uh, selected. I can tell you, I think some just don't meet the meet the grade to be on the McCullough Report, but um, it's terrific to get this going. I am going to bring us back on the backside. We're going to go back to Thailand because I was put in contact with a doctor who's really a leader over there. He's actually a psychiatrist. His name is Dr. Adipal. That's his first name. And uh, I'll let him introduce himself on the backside and give us some insight to what's going on with mass vaccination and the pandemic response in Thailand. And I think there's some really uh, important parallelisms for you to understand. Uh, but before we do so, I am going to read for you a list of vaccines that are in use worldwide or are very close to being used in development. And there's 16 of them. So if you think this is all about Pfizer, it's not. Have a listen. Messenger RNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna. Adenoviral vector vaccines, uh, Oxford, AstraZeneca, Gamalea, Sputnik, CanSino, uh, uh, Ad5, that's the PacVac, J&J, Janssen, uh, protein subunit antigen-based vaccines, Novavax, the Vector or EpiVac Corona, 
Anhui Zifi Longcom, that's called the Zifivax, Metagen, Texas Children's Hospital Baylor College of Medicine Corbivax, inactivated viruses, that's a Sinovac or Coronavac, Sinopharm, two different versions, the uh, BIPP and the WIBP, the Barat Biotech Covaxin vaccine, and the Chumakov Covivac vaccine. There are 16 of these. It can't be about one country. There seems to be a mass formation or a mass hubris that is all coalescing around vaccines as the major way to response to, to respond to the pandemic, the only way to respond to the pandemic, and the only way to, in a sense, be compliant and either win freedoms back or simply try to keep freedoms that one already has, but now indentured to frequent injections of vaccines across the board that make people acutely sick, that are not, frankly, safe enough to be used in clinical practice, of which we have no long-term assurances on safety because we don't have a long-term of safety observation. And that obviously with now through the wild type alpha, the delta, the Omicron, and now yet another wave coming, obviously the vaccines don't work or certainly have not solved the problem of the worldwide pandemic. And we're watching this out in real time. So let's get real, let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is a McCullough Report. Traveling overseas, going to Europe, how about cruise boats? How about busy cafes? How about crowded planes? How about public restrooms? COVID cases are on the rise and you need protection. Enter Cofix RX. Cofix RX in a handy bottle, travel size, can easily travel with this, is what you need. This is Pavadone iodine. And it's Pavadone iodine at a slightly higher concentration that we use in traditional nasal washes that we use for treatment. It's Pavadone iodine 1.25%, but it actually comes in a unique uh, patented formula that contains carrageenan. And carrageenan allows the iodine to, in a sense, be affixed or stay up in the nasal passages and kill pathogens and prevent new ones from landing and setting up an infection in your sinuses. So Cofix Rx is preventive against COVID-19. It's your prevention shield. It's also preventive against acquiring other nasal pathogens, including adenoviruses, polymyxoviruses, other coronaviruses, also overgrowth of bacteria and nasopharyngitis and sinusitis. So Cofix Rx has a great role as your travel prevention technique uh, used as a nasal spray. So this is different. This gets sprayed up in the nose and it stays up there. It doesn't get sniffed back or moved around as a wash, but it is preventive. It comes in a, a travel-ready uh, bottle, 0.34 fluid ounces, and one uses it after exposure in crowds as you're traveling, as your prevention approach. Uh, it clearly has a role in preventive care and patients rely on it. So go to uh, America Out Loud Talk Radio, go to our website. You can clearly click on the bar, get to Cofix RX. And then of course, any purchase that you hear on 
products that support America Out Loud and the McCullough Report uh, put in out loud for a discount off your purchase. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is McCullough Report. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. I want to put in a big word for healthy cell supplements. The GI tract is not functioning normally in long COVID syndrome. I'm convinced of it. There are multiple studies. We need a much better absorbed set of nutraceutical and vitamin products for long COVID syndrome, and that's Healthy Cell. They have an entire line that's safe and effective, uh, can help people through the long COVID syndrome. I found the best way to use Healthy Cell products is use them every day, not on and off, on and off. Take them every day consistently. The Immune Super Boost, Focus and Memory, and the REM Sleep Supplement all have powerful effects in long COVID syndrome. Go to HealthyCell.com. And in the promo code, type in out loud for 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. And I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. It's a great pleasure to welcome to the microphone from the to, for the first time, Dr. Adipal Sungahana Baron. And he is in the Department of Psychiatry in the Faculty of, of uh, Medicine at uh, the Chula Hongkorn University in Bangkok, Thailand. And uh, he has graciously volunteered to come on and give us an update about COVID-19 in the Bangkok, uh, Thailand, uh, Bangkok, Thailand metro area, and then in, in basically the East Asia uh, as he can overall. And, you know, one of the things about the McCullough Report that's so different than the mainstream U.S. media is I try to give you a window to what's going on outside the United States. Paul, welcome to the McCullough Report. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Can you just build out a little bit more of your credentials? Again, where you trained uh, when you finished your, uh, you know, your compulsory education as a young person and then went into medicine? Yeah, I, I have my medical training at Chulongkorn uh, University, Bangkok, Thailand. And then I have my uh, residency training, uh, psychiatric residency training at uh, King Chulongkorn Memorial Hospital, Bangkok, Thailand also. It's the same place. Uh, and then I, I, I have my postdoctoral training in uh, psychiatric genetics and psychopharmacology at Yale uh, in Connecticut. And how many medical schools did you tell me were in Bangkok? Oh, quite a lot. Uh, we do have three major medical schools, you know, Jula Longkorn, Rama Tipidi, Sri Rat. And then we have uh, many new medical schools coming up. Uh, so roughly around, you know, uh, seven or eight medical school in, in Bangkok area alone, but uh, throughout the country, probably like 15. And it's a giant metro area, right? Yes, it, it's pretty huge. It's uh, you know, uh, on the record, it's something like seven millions, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, all together, it's roughly twice the size. 
Now let's set the stage uh, in 2020 and then 2021 and moving into this year. How is Bangkok and then Thailand as a country hit with COVID-19? Yeah, we, we, we pretty lucky because we, you know, uh, the first wave is not that bad. All right. And, and then uh, the, the last year in, in August, it's, it's pretty, pretty, you know, uh, bad. We don't have enough bed. We don't have uh, so many things. Uh, but uh, you have to understand that in Thailand, uh, we, we decide to hospitalize all the patients. That's the big problems. All right. Last year, the government says something like, you know, uh, uh, if you have a green, which is, you know, my symptom, uh, uh, they still keep you in the hospital. So we don't have enough uh, beds. So we have to have like community centers to taking care of that. And, uh, you know, uh, that's a big problem because, the, you know, uh, we don't have enough staff, everything. But uh, eventually, just this year, uh, they change the policy. So, you know, they have like uh, home quarantine, you know, uh, if you don't have any symptoms, it's something the same that you did in in, in, in US that uh, uh, they provide you with the treatment, so you stay home. So, uh, you know, that's a giant undertaking to hospitalize that many patients. Did the hospitals get their capacity overrun? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big problem, uh, you know, before, because the uh, they don't have any enough beds, but uh, they 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 open up like community centers that people can stay there and you know uh, take care by the medical staff. But again, uh, you know the personnel is not that enough. So, uh, but right now everything's uh, get a little bit better. Okay, that's because, good. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's terrific. Now, did the country uh, ever uh, organize any treatment programs, any outpatient treatment for COVID? Yes. Uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they, once they decide to, to uh, have a, the house quarantine, you know, you can stay home and receive treatment. Then they, they give you the medication. The problem is, though, uh, the medication that they choose, it's the uh, favipivaria, which is not a good one. That's a big problem, but we we pretty lucky because right here in Thailand we use a lot of herbs, and actually it's worked beautifully. One of the herbs that we use a lot is andorcafoline, which is you know kind of herbs that that uh, we use. Actually, back hundred years ago during Spanish flu, we used the same you know uh, andorcafoline, and it works. Uh, back then, if you uh, look at the mortality rate for the for the Spanish flu. Uh, throughout the world, it's ten percent. For Thailand, it's only three percent. But anyway. does, the, does the Sinovac uh, vaccine um, does that also require a six month booster? Yeah, uh, uh, Sinovac. The, after two doses, I mean, after two doses of Sinovac, people tend to not uh, have that as a boosters anymore. Okay. And uh, there's uh, there's doctors who try to say that you know after you have you have a dead virus vaccine. Then if you got like Omicron, it's natural vaccine. So it's enough, something like that. Anyway, people are still looking for, I mean, the, the thing is that they, 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 they really uh, want to get the mRNA one, you know, which is something that we, we know that is not good. Yeah, it's That's not working out so now. well in the United States. Now, um, how about if someone had already had COVID-19 early on? Would they be exempt from taking the Sinovac vaccine? 
No, they're not talking about that at all I, at the beginning. Okay, uh, that's actually very bad because uh, they they not really uh, recognized that uh, the uh, natural immunity is actually better than vaccine induced, and uh, and that's a big problem, especially in the kids. Uh, and this is something uh, you know cause a lot of concern for us. Uh, just recently, there's a study came out that, you know, we have pretty high uh, asymptomatic infections in kids. So, you know. Uh, what, what percent of all children in Thailand do you think have had COVID, just as a rough estimate? Uh, the numbers that came out, it's roughly around 40%, something like that. Okay. But uh, it, it, it's not a big study. We not know for sure. The number might be higher. This is study that they actually not intend to looking at how much, but because of the, the, the test for like a volunteer to do others uh, uh, vaccine trial. So they found out that they already have the antibody to uh, the encapsid, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so is you know is the idea here do, do people in thailand really believe the sinovac vaccine works and and what are they relying on actually they they not really you know believe that sinovac works and that's why they 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 you know longing for moderna pfizer astrazeneca you know actually they blame the the government uh, that uh, you know, the government provide them with a uh, low quality vaccine. So the people really want a vaccine. It sounds like. The yeah, they, they, wow. they really want. I mean, this is a big problem also because the, you know uh, here it, it's the same like in everywhere. You know, the news always say how many people die, blah blah blah. You know, cause fear mongering. So they afraid of a lot of things. They they still you know wearing a mask. You know what I mean. So uh, they they really afraid of the COVID, even though the number is not there. So are there mandates? Do they wear a mask because the uh, Thailand government says they have to wear a mask, or they just wear it out of fear? It actually a mandate in certain place. Okay, <clears throat> like you know uh, on the on the television set, you cannot not wearing a mask. You know, if you 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 uh, happen to, to uh, go on the, the TV shows, anything you have to wear the mask. And in the convenience store, in you know every setting, you have to wear a mask. In the restaurant, it's like any other place. You know, you can walk. You have to walk in wearing a mask, <laughs> and then you can take off. This is crazy idea. Uh, mass transportation, yes, of course, you have to wear a mask. Okay, but so let me get this right. So you said if you're going on television, you need to wear a mask. Yes. Is that to to basically just try to show the the audience that that there's compliance, or why specifically you go on television? I don't know, but I think that's that's a way to you know uh, uh, tell the people that you need to wear a mask all the time, something like that. And I look, I couldn't understand why because the, <laughs> sometimes politicians. You know, uh, talking, I mean, giving interview, not wearing a mask is okay. But, <laughs> you know, uh, the news the reporters, they cannot do that. Now, uh, Dr. Adipal, you're a, a psychiatrist. And in the United States, that would be somebody who's really 
you know, dealing with serious mental illness, prescribing, you know, drugs that are antidepressants, antipsychotics, uh, other things, doing cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, is that, was that the same job description in Thailand? Yes. Yes. I, I see, you know, the, the same problem that you, I mean, yeah. Yes. The same. Yes. And, and tell me, um, tell me what you're seeing on the ground there in terms of psychological psychiatric issues that are arising you know, during the pandemic? Oh, yes. Uh, the two things, you know, the one that directly related to the COVID. As, it, as the, you might aware that people really, you know, uh, manipulate to have a lot of fear and anxiety. Okay. And actually, this is a big problem because, you know, when people have more anxiety, they're not think straight. Okay, uh, uh, it, it's more like an OCD because, uh, you know, for the OCD, let's say if someone fear of touching the doorknob and all other things, and they have to watch their hands you know, to make them feel better. It's same thing applied to the mask and others, you know, alcohol spray and other thing. People uh, thinking that, you know, whenever they breathe in the air, that they breathe in for all their life, you know, it's now dangerous. It's now something that, you know, really can kill them. <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting comment. So the air they've been breathing their whole lives that they've trusted and relied upon now can be lethal to them. Yeah. And, and even though, you know, you know, uh, you know, I, I walk around in, in, in my hospital, you know, uh, seeing my colleagues walking around under the sun, wearing the mask okay <laughs> and i and i try to ask them okay can you can you show me where is the virus <laughs> and and if they're the virus this is this is the the you know ultraviolet light and it can kill can kill the virus why why you have to wear the mask and they said oh it's it's you know and and they and they were <laughs> mask all the time hmm. which is which is so you know, do, do, do you think people are almost developing some type of psychological crutch or fixation on the masks? Yes, uh, I think it's it's more like, you know, the OCD, obsessive compulsive. They, mm -hmm. they wear it to make them feel secure, safe. You know what I mean? And the bad thing is that if you're not wearing it, you know, they, they're thinking that you are the one who do harm to others. You know what I mean? So it, it's like it's like OCD, you know, they, they have both fear and anger toward others. So it's like OCD supercharged with a with a guilt factor or something, right? Yes. Um, yes. That's yes. so yes. interesting. And then what about psychological issues, psychiatric issues arising out of the vaccines? Yes, we, we, we found that a lot. You know, people tend to have... Uh, you know, uh, low, I mean, the, the temperament, it's, it's more edgy, you know, and, and people tend to cannot control themselves. And also the depression is going, you know, the, through the roof. Uh, actually, here at, at Chulalongkorn, uh, we, we believe that uh, depression is caused by inflammations. And uh, the vaccine actually increases inflammation and it can cause also the depressions at all. You know, from biological viewpoint, but from uh, psychological uh, uh, side, it's also you know because of people not uh, cannot uh, mingle with others and you know uh, 
isolation, blah, 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 and also the economic problems. So everything lead to depressions. Okay. So uh, depression. How about other issues arising from the vaccines, like cognitive de decline? Or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that. Uh, we're starting to saw uh, people who have like, you know, like a brain fog. You know, they cannot mm -hmm. think clearly, but they cannot explain why. And the big problem also, they, they don't want to accept that this is caused by vaccine. That's another big problem. So, so um, even if something was clear cut and caused by the vaccine, people don't want to, they don't want to recognize it. Is it, is, is it, do they recognize it and they just don't want to take, take responsibility or have the remorse or, or is there some type of mental block? I, I could not say which one, but uh, the problems here is that most of the doctors don't want to say this is caused by vaccine. And actually they say it's not related. All right. So whenever that the patient's, uh, you know, go to see them and ask them, is this caused by the vaccine? They say no. And the problem is also because of the doctors themselves. Uh, you know, here in Thailand, uh, for the medical professionals, uh, they have, you know, the highest rate of vaccinations for the whole country. It's more than 100%. You know, I mean, it's, it's very, very high. All of them, almost all of them get uh, the third dose, the boosters. Uh, and they, they don't want to accept that uh, it caused problem because they themselves got a lot of vaccine. So they don't want to accept that it might cause harm to them. You know what I mean? So they say to other people, no, it's not related. So, so nearly 100% of the doctors took it. And so if it started to cause problems, you think they would, you know, they would start to feel uneasy themselves. And so they want to block out the reality that the vaccines could cause any problems. Yes, yes. They, they're in denial. They don't want to accept that, oh, it might cause by the vaccine. See, uh, right now we have like uh, uh, 3,000 cases of the death by, you know, caused by vaccines, you know, that they pay, you know, compensate, uh, the, the, the pay the compensation is not the, every case, you know what I mean? This is the case that they acknowledge and they, uh, the, the government pay the compensations. But uh, they said, you know, it's just, uh, it just uh, to help. So it's not something to say that it's, it's uh, caused by the vaccine. And you know how, how many cases that they accept it's caused by the vaccine? No. It, it's less than 10 cases. Can you believe that? So less than 10 cases they officially acknowledge, but the government has actually paid out some form of reparation in 3,000. Is that right? Yes. 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 And, and, and those are something like they said, okay, it's caused by other, you know, disease. It's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, the, the condition they, they already have, like, you know, cardiovascular conditions, cancer, blah, blah. So it's not related to vaccine. And that's, that's the, the explanations. Now, Dr. Adipal, you've uh, been pointed out to me that you're somewhat of a maverick, that you are standing out differently or taking a different view than other doctors. Why, why do you think you've taken this stance it's a long story actually because i actually you know working uh in the what we call alternative medicine for quite a while all right uh it's it actually a start with, with uh, the cancer treatment uh i happen to work with the cancer patients too not just the psychiatric patients because of i 
uh, ran into one of the very interesting treatment and I think it's very useful anyway. Uh, and also I, I happen to uh, know a doctor called Dr. Brusinski. I don't know if you heard about him. He actually uh, Polish, you know, doctors, but practicing in Texas actually. And then and, and, uh, I know one of his uh, patients uh, that he saved uh, uh, alive. So uh, because of that, I start to understand how the pharmaceutical company doings, and I start to look around and start to see, oh, it's not as you know uh, good as it you know promised. So I start to not really trust the big pharma. So when the COVID came, uh, I start to ask questions. And I lucky to be able to listen to uh, Dr. Sutrit. And after that, I start to do a lot of research. And by the way, uh, since I'm a geneticist, I'm a read the paper from Dr. Luke Montier and, and uh, start to you know ask the question, this is the man-made or what? So yes, that's, what, that's what. What percent of doctors in Thailand do you think uh, are questioning the narrative like you are? I could not say for sure, but I think it's pretty low. <laughs> probably less than 5%. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the same in the United States. I think what the U.S. listeners would realize is even though the vaccine is different, some of the things are different. Many things are the same going on in densely populated Thailand as it is going across the United States. Um, uh, something happened in the world, in the minds of people and in the minds of doctors all at the same time. And they have the same, uh, we have doctors in the United States who won't um, recognize a clear-cut vaccine injury. They'll say it's not due to the vaccine. And um, one of the vignettes that's given by my co-author, John Leake, in our book, we have a new book out on Amazon called Courage to Face COVID-19. One of the mm -hmm. anecdotes is one of John's old girlfriends, and she's um, in one of the islands off of, um, I think, either Spain or England, and she takes uh, the COVID-19 vaccine, and she starts getting um, massive lymph node swelling in the arm and in the neck and in the axilla. It becomes so compressive around the face that she ends mm -hmm. up having a stroke. It involves her carotid artery, mm. and she has a stroke. And she's seen by all these uh, doctors all over England, including the famous St. Mary's Hospital. And every single doctor will tell her, listen, I don't know what you have. I've never seen this before, but it's definitely not due to the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the doctors don't know what it is. They don't know what's caused it, but they do know it's not due to the vaccine. And John just laughs. It's like, how do they have the certainty of knowing what it's not due to if they don't know what it is at all? And that's a big problem because they're not even try to, you know, do the test, investigate. I mean, they just their opinions. You know, what I mean, it's it's just the opinions. They don't have any other things to say that definitely is not. They do. Yeah. They're not doing tests. They're not look at the white cow, the T cell, the CD4, CD8, NK cell. They don't look at not look at those things at all. But, but Adipal, do you think a big part of this doctors uh, being blind to recognizing vaccine injuries, do you think a big part of it is because they took the vaccines themselves? Yes, that's what I believe. You know, 
you know, unconsciously, they don't want to accept it because, you know, if they accept that it is something that cause harm, they're like, oh, yes, uh, I got a lot. I, I have too many charts. <laughs> what can happen to me? You know what I mean? So, so they don't want to accept that. They don't want to face the truth because the truth is so fearful and they, the fear is already a problem for them. You know what I mean? They, they do all these things. They, they take a lot of vaccine because of fear. So they don't, they could not, you know, tolerate more fear. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, listen, Erpal, this has been a great interview. I'm so glad to get you on U.S. audience. It's actually our worldwide audience for the McCullough Report. Do you have any final words for our audience in terms of looking forward on what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, I still have a lot of hope, you know, uh, because I still believe that the truth or where the truth is going to come out is going to come out no matter what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's that's my hope. But one of the things that I think is very crucial though, it's, you know, I, I try so hard to to uh, use the, the, you know, the information to convince them, to change their mind, you know, uh, use a lot of data, blah, blah, blah. But I think that we might take a wrong path uh, because this is not about the, 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 the cognitive problems. This is about the emotional problems. Uh, they have a lot of fear. So in order to help them, it's better help them to deal with the fear and make uh, them feel like, oh, that's okay. You know, give them some hope. Uh, if they believe that, oh, there might be the way to treat the, the, the vaccine injuries, we can take care of that, blah, blah, blah. If you, you know, detect the problems early on, it's easier to take care of it. Then, you know, if we decrease the fear, they might be able to accept all that truth. You know what I mean? So, so that, that's the thing that I think that I try to work on right now. Okay. Working on fear. That's very interesting. Kind of gauging it, trying to help people develop coping mechanisms to recognize it and deal with it. And ultimately, I think, provide support. I think you're right. I think there's still such a great degree of underlying fear. We're going to have to leave it here, uh, Dr. Adipal, but thank you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. Thank you. Take care. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report.